0: from the Press Box. I'm producer L. Greg. I'm joined by the two hosts of this wonderful program, Joe Dorville. Yep. And good old Brennan Tassif. What's going on, everybody? How are you guys doing tonight? Feeling good. Feeling good. Let's go ahead and kick it off. Jump into the first segment. We like to call it the tip-off, and that's me speaking, so... Checklist. Checklist. Done. List. Done. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna go through uh, some topics right now. Let's go ahead, since we're in the middle of a football game as we speak. Let's go around the league and talk about some of the NFL games from this past weekend. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, let's start with
1: the uh, Thursday night football. We got, we had the Browns and the Bengals. We had talked about it uh, on Thursday. Uh, Brennan. Yeah, I was,
2: um, I was way you know, off. I was really wrong. Hard. I really thought it was going to be, um, uh, I thought the Bengals were going to come out and kind of hit the Browns in the mouth. I didn't think the Browns wanted to play with each other. I thought OBJ probably wanted out of there. I didn't think anybody believed in Baker and I was wrong. Uh, OBJ <laughs> went four to six, um, on targets, 74 yards, a touchdown. Baker was 16 of 23 for 219 two touchdowns and only one pick. Uh, The biggest takeaway from this game, though, was Burrow through 61 times and Nary an interception.
1: It's surprising he didn't throw an interception, but it's surprising how they are going to use his arm inefficient. I felt like he was a pitcher out there. And yeah. it's like when a pitcher throws like 100 in his first starting, you're like, OK, this this manager doesn't know how to manage a young arm.
2: Yeah. Zach well, Taylor that's the thing, too, is that slinging. offensive line. He got he was only set. I mean, he was sacked three times, but he got hit eight times. And when Miles mm. Garrett hits you, he's. Yeah almost three times his size, so that's going to that's gonna wear on him. They need to get more offensive line protection in there for Joe Burrow, but I was we'll wrong about Baker, fights. that's for sure. I'm not ready to apologize yet for it, but I'll admit <laughs> for this game, I was wrong.
1: Yeah. Um, I will say, though, the thing with... Uh, this game was kind of uh, was a red herring um, in the sense that, yeah, Baker had a great game, and I love that Stefanski... <laughs> I don't know what the fuck he was doing the first game, but he finally brought the offense that everybody thought he would yeah. with a, a bunch of play action and rollouts to create more space for Baker. Uh, the first game, he only did it 14% of the time. This game, they did it 40% of the time, twice on the first drive. Mm-hmm. Like, the first play was a bootleg rollout. But, um, yeah, Baker didn't have to do much. He really just gave it to the running backs at the end of the day. I mean, he, he made a couple big throws, but... They didn't ask him to do a lot. And that's, I think, what we were talking about. Like, he has Chubb. He has Hunt. He has Odell. He has Landry. Like, really, all he has to do is manage the game and not make mistakes. Yep. And then Burrow, a lot of, I mean, he had a bunch of passing attempts and completions, but he still only threw for how much? Three something? Uh
2: 317.
1: Yeah, so they're kind of, even though they're not coddling him with the 61 attempts, they're kind of coddling him with, they're not really asking him to push the ball down the field like he did at LSU. They're giving him a lot of short and in-his-face stuff to just get him comfortable. So I really would like, he's had, I mean, his first game wasn't the greatest, but it was good for a rookie. They almost got a win. This past game statistically was eye-popping, but again, he looked good. And I would just like to see the next evolution when he's allowed to push the ball down the field.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think Joe Burrow is going to be just fine. I think they just need to get more protection for him because he was running around quite a bit, but the Mm -hmm. Browns looked better. But like you said, hopefully it's, I mean, hopefully Baker does what uh, Baker does with all that talent on offense. I mean, you have Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. He's only, he should only be throwing it 30 times a game,
1: maybe, maybe 35. All right, Brennan, uh, this is where I step away, go get a drink, and tell you to talk about the Jags.
2: All right, here we go, baby. Duval. Just real quick, it's not going to be super long this week, (laughs) but we were going against uh, Jacksonville was playing in Nashville against the Titans. Everyone thought it was going to be a blowout. The line was eight and a half, I think, is where it settled. I thought it was going to be
1: a blowout.
2: Yep, on FanDuel, it was eight and a half. Um, Jags looked rocky early. So, uh, Minchu had a pass on the first drive where he was clearly throwing to Tyler Ifrit. Um, the, it was a double in, um, and Ifrit was behind, but the, the wide receiver in the front wanted to make a play, so leapt for the ball, got a hand on it, and it turned into a tip drill. Um, oh. so. Yeah, it was, and you could clearly see he was throwing it to Ifrit behind him. And oh, man, but it was, um, it was like a freak interception. And that's the point I wanted to make. So they lost the game. They lost the I game. I was more
1: surprised that Tyler Ifrit was still in the league. Yeah. I haven't heard about that guy in like three, and four years.
2: He's <laughs> been playing, well, he was hurt a bunch in uh, Cincinnati, but he's yeah, been playing really well. I mean, then, yeah. it's two games in, but he's been playing really well. Yeah. Um, Minshew uh, led three touchdown drives, though, in the second half. So he opened with a touchdown drive and then had two more. And that actually tied the game at 30-30. So going into halftime, it looked pretty bleak. But then uh, Minshew came out with a little bit of that Garner-Minshew magic and led them back to uh, tie the game. There was a flubbed squib kick going into the second half by Lambeau, mm-hmm. who um, is one of statistically the best kickers in the NFL right now. He tried to squib it, uh, got too high on the ball. Um, it over rotated, turned into like basically an onside kick. So then the Titans mm-hmm. kicked a field goal to end the half, which at the time didn't seem relevant, but yeah, uh, but it
1: became, the difference maker.
2: became the difference maker. They tied the game up at 30 to 30. And then, um, Minchu got the ball back with a minute 30 left on the clock. Um, was gonna, and it was at that point, it was 30 33. And we all are thinking, Okay, here it comes, here comes that Minshew magic. This is why we play the game.
1: I love how any quarterback of a local team becomes something magic. <laughs> yeah,
2: fix magic, Minshew magic. It's but he um He threw a ball, got batted at the line, and again, tipped up and then intercepted. So he finished the game with two picks, but neither of them were like a Jameis Winston pick, like where he clearly (laughs) just underthrew or, but you know what I mean? Like.
1: Yeah. It was a bad throw. They
2: were, yeah, they weren't errant throws. They were both tipped. And then that weird squib kick at the end of the half kind of was the difference in the game. Derrick Henry couldn't get going. Uh, did not rush for over a hundred yards. Uh, Minshew ended the game 30 of 45 with 339 yards, three passing touchdowns, and then the two picks. The cool thing, though, was he threw to three. Uh, the three touchdowns were to three different players. And then um, the defense. We have a very young defense. Miles Jack is the seasoned veteran on that team, but. Still like three like, um, years. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. So he got a he got kind of a, a BS uh pass interference penalty on the last drive for the Titans. He kind of had his arm on the guys sensing where he was, and they threw the flag. And uh, but yeah, the game was a lot closer. They covered. So I just wanted to say, again, on the record, Jags are for real this year. What's next, Greg?
1: Cheers from the press. You're home for Jacksonville Jaguars football.
0: Hell yeah. Well, I know a lot of my the family are Cowboys fans, and they turned the game off pretty early. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> and uh, they so were all getting I. phone calls later telling them to turn it back on. So what did you think about that crazy yeah, comeback? This,
1: this was the equivalent of uh, the Heat, Spurs, Ray Allen 3, where fans are literally leaving the st- stadium, mm-hmm. and then it's like, wait, we have a chance to win? Um, I stopped paying attention to this game at 39 like 10 or whatever it was 29 10 and going then, into the half yeah like people were i was at work and people were walking into the store they're like oh what's the what's the what's the score of the falcons game i was like oh falcons are big don't worry about it and then i go back to the back and i'm like oh what is happening here um do you want to talk about the onside kick that they blew to smithereens
2: yeah that was bizarre
1: I was going to say, wow, well, this is shocking. I'm going to say it before you, but you've played football. You're aware. I'm not of saying the, it anymore. <laughs> I was going to say, you, I got to it first. Um, you're aware that you can touch the ball before the 10 yard. It's the kicking team that can't touch it before the 10.
2: Yeah, so uh, Yeah. If you, um, on an onside kick, if you are the receiving team, you can uh, dead ball it, which is where you just, you know, you can kick it out of bounds. You can touch it. You can do whatever you want. And the play is dead. Um, Yeah.
1: So what do you think happened there? Do you think they just all had brain farts? Like they, it looked like they were actively trying to get away from the ball.
2: Yeah. So um, special teams normally practices all together. Uh, A lot of times you'll go through specialty things, but it's anything in life. You know, you, you touch on it a couple of times and then if you don't touch on it more and more often, you'll forget, you know, it's. It happens to me all the time in the service industry. I'll know the entire menu by heart, but then if no one orders a certain dish, I forget what's in it. And so it's the same kind of thing. So on punts, everyone knows it's a, it's a fire drill. Everyone knows to get away from the ball because yeah. if on a punt, if you touch it, the ball is now live. live. If the receiving yeah. team touches it, it's live. So you are on the receiving team of a punt a lot more often than you are on the hands team for a kickoff. So in mm. what I think happened was it was just muscle memory like oh shoot we got to get away from the ball you know what i mean like they just forgot or just kind of spaced it because they were like you said actively trying to get away from it thinking maybe if they touched it it was live
1: yeah it was it was bizarre to watch because my instant thought was okay maybe i mean every hands team is set up differently sometimes uh the first line of the hands team is just a bunch of guys to block and then the second the guys on the second line are the guys who are supposed to get the ball. And I was like, maybe none of them have confidence in tucking, picking up the ball. Uh, I mean, that could be it. it, But if there's
2: one thing I know is that any, anybody who's you would label as in there to block would love, love the opportunity to grab the ball.
1: I was like, Greg, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, This play kind of reminded me of what's it? The Ronnie Lott play in the snow for the Cowboys where he like, touches the ball mistakenly or uh, he ended up beating somebody Leon led on there there Thanksgiving
0: go. day against Miami yeah. yeah it was ice yeah and he started booting it into the end zone and they had the game one, but um, that. but the kick the kickoffs changed a lot since they have to go from the 35 they can't mm. run so they had to change the way they kick the ball now so that little spinny thing kind of curved yeah. into the 10 yards well, so I think people are still not used to that Well, and they also used to stack ten guys on one side of the kicker,
2: but they're not allowed to do that anymore either. You have to do five and five. It's like something weird. Like twelve. So, it used to be like twenty four percent of onside kicks were recovered. Now it's like down to eight or twelve percent.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think twelve. It's something crazy. So, they've had one. The Falcons already had one this year. So, yeah, and it's pretty insane. But um, okay, we can talk about. the Bucks panthers game, which I picked horribly wrong. Uh, I picked the Panthers because they had that uh, offensive outpouring last week against the Raiders. And I was like, okay, they seem to be clicking to a degree. And Brady seems to be old and still appears to be old. Yeah, Brady um,
2: did not look good. Um, he had, <laughs> Statistically, if you look at just the box score, you think like, oh, that's a decent game. But he did not look good.
1: Yeah, I think he benefited from cause I, I don't uh no, actually. I don't think that's been updated yet. So I can't say he wasn't hurried or blitzed or pressured, but I mean he didn't have a ton of air yards. Uh he only had uh completed air yards, he had five point one, so it was kind of that dink and dunk, but he still looked old to me. He he doesn't look good. <laughs>
2: No, I agree with you. I didn't really uh, watch too much of this game as far as when it was happening live. I did go back and look at some of the highlights, and that's when you kind of are like, wait a second. That doesn't – the score of the game doesn't really reflect yeah. what I'm seeing here.
1: I was going to say what stood out the most was, okay, the Bucks defense decided to show up. Because the Bucks defense looked better than they did in the first game against the Saints for sure. Well, they and did, then McCaffrey but McCaffrey got hurt.
2: I said in episode one that the Bucks Bucks had a good defense. It's just, I mean, when you go against the Saints in Week One, you you know, it kind of yeah. didn't look like it. But they've got a lot of pass rushers on that team, so yeah. And then McCaffrey, we'll talk about it later, but McCaffrey's out now.
1: Yeah, that's uh, a real shot to one of my fantasy teams. Oh, uh, uh, Greg.
0: Yeah, so if we the we had the Chargers-Chiefs game was our second game in my area yesterday, and everybody was surprised to see that Tyrod Taylor was not under center to start that game for the Chargers, and they had their rookie in there.
1: Yeah, the, the, the beautiful Justin Herbert uh, with that long, flowing hair.
2: He looked like a Valley High School kid.
1: Yeah, he looks like he was getting ready for (laughs) the (laughs) game.
2: It was bizarre. Um, Obviously, we all hope Tyrod Taylor's okay. Rushed to the hospital for um,
1: testing because of chest pains. He said he looks doing better.
2: Is he? Okay, yeah. Because the last thing I saw was that um, he's expected to start if he's feeling better, but that was from a few hours ago.
1: Yeah, uh, weird situation. I guess he had a he was nursing a rib injury and he was getting a painkiller shot which is routine for a lot of these guys. Yeah. And uh he just had a weird reaction to it so he had to be taken out and Herbert got tapped and yeah, I guess Herbert's man up situation.
2: Anthony Lynn told him, I guess he didn't believe him. Like if you watch some of the pregame stuff from the sideline, he's like ha ha ha, like you're so funny. He's like, "No man, like go warm up, like get ready." He ended up going <laughs> uh 22 of 33, though, 311 he yards. Great. Yeah, picking a touchdown and then um, rush for a touchdown, too. So he, he looked good. Yeah. Now, at this point, you have to ask yourself, do you go back to Tyrod Taylor? Because the whole purpose of sitting Herbert is to let him get used to it and feel comfortable. But from the game that he had, taking the best team, arguably, in the NFL to overtime, he looked plenty comfortable.
1: I think you keep playing Tyrod because it's different when a team – Can game plan for you versus being surprised by you. The Chiefs didn't know what they were. They they didn't have anything on him. So the next team would have tape on him and the next team would know where his uh, inconsistencies are and where to pressure him to get to his blind side. And I think Tyrod keeps the job because this is such a freak accident
2: yeah and you're 100% right on that that's the one problem and it happens every single year with rookie quarterbacks is you yeah. see them for two or three games there's no film on them defenses don't happened. know what to expect
1: who was that dude last year for the Panthers and hey, Allen I was thinking of the same yeah, exact Alan, I guy like, Everybody was like get Cam out, out of guy. here I'm fucking i like, like after three games, the fourth game, I think he threw for like a hundred yards. And I was like, yeah, this guy's Same thing cool with like, the 49ers when
2: Garoppolo me? went down two years ago.
1: Yeah, it's, it's 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 crazy. People, It's like people have to be retold the same things over and over.
2: Oh, especially with the recency bias that we have when it comes to sports. It's like yeah. people just don't get it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um speaking of the Chiefs, uh the Chiefs first game was against the Texans. Texans played their second game against the Ravens and they got throttled again. Yeah. Uh, do you think the Texans can bounce back from this?
0: I do. 0 2 star. Um
1: I
2: think the Texans are a very good team. As a Jaguars fan, we see them twice year in the AFC South. Uh let me rephrase that. I think the Texans have the the, the Texans have the potential to be a good oh, team. <laughs> um I think Bill O'Brien is a very good coach, not a good GM. He takes them to the playoffs every year with the, whatever team's in front of him. I think he makes horrible front office decisions. I think he doesn't know how to be a GM. But I think when it comes to, I see you shaking your head, but when it comes to saying- in between the lines and in between the whistles, I think he's a very good coach.
1: In between the whistle is sound. Um I I think they'll be able to back bounce back. I mean, I asked the question this, uh, facetiously because they went up against the best two teams in the AFC. So, I mean, that's a real uh, measuring stick to where you are and where you need to be. But they'll be able to, sorry to say it, but feast on the Jags um, and the Colts who are weirdly inconsistent, <laughs> terrible one week, good one week. Um well
2: they've got yeah, coming no. up they've got um at Steelers, vikings jags at Jeez. titans Whoa. so
1: yeah they got a tough schedule but um i mean the okay my issue with bill o'brien this year in particular is after getting rid of hopkins uh it it seems like like you said last week he's trying to justify the bringing in of uh david johnson and i think he's doing it to the detriment of uh of uh what's my guy's name i forgot Deshaun Watson. Oh, yeah. Um I I don't think the protection is there. I mean, they paid tons of all that money and he's still getting pressured in a hurry. He holds on to the ball a little too long. And eight sacks. Eight sacks couple, in the last two games. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> Carson Wentz had that in one game, by the way. Okay. Um but yeah, I mean, it yeah, it's it's not it's not gonna look this bad for this long.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. Um I just, it's weird because to go, to have that schedule that they have is just, it's brutal. Yeah,
1: no. They got a toughie.
2: Yeah, so we'll see what happens.
0: <sighs> All right, let's well, move on. We can uh, talk about week two of the 2020 <laughs> NFL season without discussing the multiple injuries that happened yesterday. It's brutal.
1: Yeah, I think I got hurt on one of those plays <laughs> at some point. <laughs>
0: Yeah,
2: it was um they what they say twenty-two uh starters went down. Jeez. Yeah. So some of them I don't, you know, some of them are just tweaks, some of them are, you know, pulled muscles, but there are a few that are are big. Saquon Barkley out for the year, ACL Twitter, um Nick Bosa, ACL uh torn ACL Philly, their entire team, I believe, is on IR. Um
1: Well, I think we actually got some people back, surprisingly.
2: Did you? Yeah, um, did. Uh, my, I had a big question, and I know we kind of have it towards the end of the rundown, but I kind of want to bring it up: is how do you think? Ahead. Do you think Philly can recover this season with everything that's going on with injuries, and then that looming kind of what if question with Carson Wentz, with so many injuries happening, and he tends to get hurt quite often? What do you think the Eagles' potential is for this season?
1: Um, I said at the beginning of the season, I don't think the Eagles are going to make the playoffs because in the offseason, our all-pro right guard got hurt. Uh, our rookie left tackle got hurt. We had let go of Jason Peters. We yeah. brought him back to play right guard. Gonna, yeah. And then when our left tackle went down, we moved him back to left tackle. So... And then uh, Lane Johnson had got COVID and he missed the first game of the season, um, but he had another injury on top of that. So he recovered. He came back this week, but um, it's been real patchwork, piecemealing. Alshon's still not there. Uh, Miles Sanders looked good yesterday, but
2: 92 yards, the defense
1: yep. was the issue. I mean, I think our biggest uh, loss this year when we look back is going to be letting Malcolm Jenkins walk yeah. because Jalen Mills was not the greatest corner. So let's make him the safety. I, I didn't, I never got that. Um, That's a big
2: move um, on secondaries is uh, take a guy who's decent at corner and then move him to free safety. Cause then he can kind of right. roam and run the field. But Malcolm Jenkins looked great on the Monday night game. So I know the Eagles are going to probably regret
1: Yes, regret super regret that decision. and then we have no linebackers of note. <laughs> it was an yeah. issue that for the whole offseason we never addressed it. We didn't sign anybody, we drafted some guys late, late. But, um, yeah, now nah, I'm and the Carson thing I think is a bit of a misnomer. I mean, he played all 16 last year, he didn't get yeah. hurt until he got to the playoffs, and that was on a concussion freak hit to the head. Um, but I think he'll be healthy and fine. I think he needs to be helped by the coaches. They need to stop allowing him to play hero ball and try to make random heaves into double coverage. Um, he needs like Joe Burrow, not like Joe Burrow, but he needs the uh, offensive line not being what it is. He needs more things right in front of him, set up quick hitters instead yeah. of having these long developing plays.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, cause that team, you know, it's only a couple years removed from the Super Bowl. And last year, it was kind of like, oh, you know, a ton of injuries. And they still almost made that they should have made the playoffs. No, we made the playoffs. Or I'm excuse me, they should have won the the division. Yeah, we Um, won the division. What happened with that? Wasn't it wasn't in the Cowboys game late in the season. I just remember my Cowboys friends. Um, there was
1: a Cowboys game. We beat the Cowboys. We rattled off like three straight at the end of the year to end up nine and seven. And we won the division.
2: Okay. So that, okay. Yeah. So I was talking shit to them, not to Eagles fans. Got yeah. it. So yeah. But then everything that happened with the injuries, it was surprising that they made the playoffs and everything that went down. And now this year, it's like okay, you know, we took a year off. We're going to be healthy, and now they can't.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know if it's the training staff. I'm getting uh, infuriated by the constant uh, mass unit on the sideline. Absolutely.
2: Well, I've got a bit of a hot take, and by hot take, I mean fiery on fire. Fire take. I think the best thing that could have happened to Saquon Barkley is him to be out for the year. Now, wow.
1: Wow. Yeah, you heard it here first. To be hurt. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Cheers from the press box. Brennan Tassif. Brennan
1: Tassif. On yes. fire
2: yes. takes at Brennan T Comedy. <laughs> at me wherever you want. Let's go. But my whole... So the whole idea was that the way the medical staffs are now and the surgeries are now, an ACL, a torn ACL is not like it was 20 years ago. Mm. You can come you back from that. As, you know, the ACL, the PCL, and the MCL, guys come back from that after about a year. We're it takes eight months to 12 playing. months. What I what i'm saying is danny dimes needs to get better so danny a year dimes. of him playing will benefit He's never gonna the get team
1: better, by the way
2: they need to get more offensive line help in there, which they will have a better draft pick because it doesn't look like the team's going to do very well this year. And Saquon Barkley is not going to be the workhorse getting 30 carries a game and his brain's beaten in for an entire season. What I'm saying is the season looks like it's already lost. So why not take your number one best asset, put them on ice for the season and he'll come back. Adrian Peterson's still playing after a torn MCL. It's the same joint, just a different position in the knee. Like, he'll be fine. And what I'm saying is I think it's the best thing for him to take this year off instead of being this workhorse that's just going to get his brains blown so out saying, for no reason.
1: You're you're saying, like, uh, when you have a young pitcher, like, all right, we'd rather him get Tommy John now versus later, like, exactly. let's get the surgery now. And I he's mean, in his I early twenties.
2: His, his body's going to bounce back super quick from it, and literally, he's not. They have no recourse on the offense except to hand the ball off. Especially now that um, Shepard's out, like he's gonna I get
1: your point. But I don't. It's, ever a, think it's a beautiful David point. You Jones. completely agree with me. Thank <laughs> you, Joe. I really appreciate yeah, that. I think the only flaw is I don't think Dale Jones is going to be good ever. Oh, okay. I think he's just bad. Yeah, and I, I was, think Gettleman made a huge mistake.
2: That one pass he had before, uh, before the end of uh, the first quarter. I was like, "Here we go. He's here." Yeah, he's and then good it just, for
1: a good one pass. Yeah, and it's like well, he's he, good for the scripted plays Like we talked about like last 35 week, thirty-five passes. Then he's like, "Ah, I can't do that." <laughs> but that's my yeah, and he that's my fumbles
2: Yeah, it's the weird pitcher windup yeah. thing. That's my big uh, okay. zag, my big hot take on Saquon Barkley is better off being out for the year.
1: All right, Greg, do you think we're overreacting?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I think mm, the Giants, that's probably a good take from both of you. But what about some other stories around the league? After two weeks, are we overreacting to some other major stories?
1: Um, I'll say right now, Cam Newton is – was disrespected by the entire league. I don't know how he's on a vet minimum. I don't know how he's making less than the Peterman, Case Daniels, and some of these fucking bums. Because my guy almost took the Patriots to two and zero when people had the Patriots doing worse than the Bucks this year. And if not for bad play call, um, on the one yard line, call. horrible play call. Uh, It's funny they did the reverse of the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, I they saw were on that. the one yard line they were like hey we're gonna run it this time and it's like no the issue with their Super Bowl wasn't the pass it was the placement of the pass you should have threw it to the outside yeah. uh, Wilson probably should have been on a bootleg so you have more than one I was option. just about to
2: say if they would have rolled Cam right, uh, you yeah. could have thrown with his body and or just ran it in
1: but Cam looks good. Cam appears to be healthy, and uh, I'm here for all his pregame suits. I can't wait to see the babushka this year. Sign
2: him, um, man. Four more years. Sign him into an extension. <laughs>
1: yeah. Hey, so. uh,
0: kind of tying into the, that game last night, Seattle. People are now calling Russell Wilson the best quarterback in the league. Do you guys agree with that Russell statement? Russell hustle, Bustle, and Man Muscle Wilson?
1: Whoa. Um... I still think uh Mahomes is probably the best quarterback in the league but Wilson is not far behind. Wilson is Wilson hasn't gotten the credit he deserves. He hasn't been given an MVP vote um which is bizarre for someone with his resume and his consistency with the wins and making the playoffs. So um I don't think he's the best quarterback cuz Mahomes is just I, I look at it when you watch him but I think it's l- very good.
2: I look at it as tiers, so I think there's an elite tier because um, you know some of these guys are all awesome. I think Mahomes would be at the top of the the, the elite tier, but I would put mm. Russell. Um, I'd put Aaron up there, Rajas, mm. Um, But yeah, Russell Wilson's definitely in that conversation. You can't if you had you know one game to you know for your life. I wouldn't mind having Russell Wilson as the quarterback. A hundred percent for sure 100%. I wanted to, right. speaking of overreactions, I wanted to talk about the Vikings cuz coming into Ooh. this year with Zimmerman, everyone thought including myself that they'd be okay, at least good. I thought they would be really good. I thought Kirk Cousins would kind of, you know, get this offense going. They got rid of Stefan <laughs> Diggs, so I figured like, "Oh, there's going to be cohesion in the locker room." And they look like a there's hot a garbage Stephon fire. Left. <laughs>
1: there's a reason Stefan Diggs left because he's like, "Yo, this quarterback sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's
2: been... I just wanted to... When we were talking about overreactions, because I definitely overrated and overreacted to no, the Vikings in the offseason. I
1: fell for it too. I fell for all the sauce. I had them winning that game, uh, especially after the Colts got I had them winning the one. division. Oh, okay, You're out of control. Aaron Rodgers still exists, okay? Buddy? <laughs> I know. Um,
2: <laughs> I knew but, Aaron Rodgers uh, would be pissed, but I was just like, the Vikings got it this year, man. They got more talent than the Green Bay I Packers. I thought like they would
1: be good, but... I wouldn't say more talent because they lost Diggs and replaced him with who? I mean, they got Justin Jefferson on LSU, but rookie receivers, it's very rare for rookie receivers to pop yeah, in that first year. 100%. Um, so, yeah, no, I thought, I, but I thought they would just do what they did last year, go work the ground game, cook, fucking, and, uh, Allison Matiasi. I can't say so um I'm not even I also try. don't remember him. Um, <laughs> But I mean, I thought they'd pound the ground and uh, play good defense, and they it, the reverse happened to them. The Colts ran their th- ran it down their throats and played better defense.
2: Yeah, it was it was definitely a
1: crazy thing to see. I was about uh, to say, what's your boy Kirk Cousin only threw for like don't 100? your boy him <laughs> don't. Kirk going Kirk through for 113 and only had 11 completions.
2: That's crazy. What are
1: we doing here?
2: That's it's insane like, to me. What do we got next, yeah, Greg?
0: How about those Los Angeles Rams? They've been pretty impressive. The first two weeks of the season. Yep.
1: Well, the second week of the season, they played a defunct team, a now defunct team. So I don't know. If well, I mean, came. we um,
2: <laughs> we talked about it in episode one. The Rams, on paper, are a good team. Um, oh, well, after sure. watching Hard Knocks, they they're a good team. It's just it was a weird year last year with everything that happened, especially in with that girly. division. Yeah. So yeah. I I I've believed in the Rams since they uh, since Aaron Donald came onto the scene. So. I really
1: like their coach. It's a good guy, man guy reminds me a lot of Gruden.
2: Are you, know, you um, are you falling into the whole uh, hard knocks love fest
1: thing? I, that's what I was gonna say. I don't. I, I tried to, even though I thought they were good on paper, I tried to withhold some of my uh, admiration for them and the Chargers because I was like, it could be the hard knocks syndrome. Because last year I thought the Raiders were gonna be good, and then they weren't.
2: <laughs> I loved the Raiders last year. So um, it was like, but it was the hard knocks. I don't it the hard fall knocks Into there. that
1: hard knocks uh, poetry. HBO great storytelling, suckering me in. So
2: good at it. I just want to throw yeah. this out there because I'm not going to do it really at all in the shows anymore. But I did play against Kirk Cousins in college. I thought I did, so I just oh. looked that up.
1: Michigan State.
2: Yeah, we got beat up pretty good by them.
1: Yeah, that's a good payday for the school, though. Yeah. well anyway. <laughs> anyway,
2: where are we headed now, Greg? Take us down a road, baby.
0: Let's uh, let's move away from the NFL. I know it's hard because it's fresh on our minds, but also fresh on our minds is that Lakers last second shot. Oh my against God! Against the Nuggets, I'm not going to win any
2: on... money off the Nuggets. And those those are our team, man. You're Murray, I'm Jokic. Let's go.
1: Fresh on our mind. I don't I don't know what you're talking about, Greg. I I, I think I had some amnesia. Please <laughs> please uh please uh tell me what happened here. I don't. What are you referring to?
0: Well, it did look like the Nuggets were gonna take Game Two. Just two the seconds won. left.
1: Did they not? What?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I well, what I Wait, does Anthony Davis play for the Nuggets? Hmm. <laughs> I thought that shot went in, huh? I turned the TV off. <laughs> I, <laughs> thought, where the it, where I turned it off. I
1: turned it off. I walked out the room like we won. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, even in this loss, I think the Nuggets—they looked good. They showed they could. Uh, they could stay with this juggernaut that yep. they've been uh labeled. Um and Jokic and Murray have held their own a crazy stat. The Nuggets were like plus forty four with Murray in the game. No, they were plus sixteen with Murray in the game and minus four, uh minus like eight when he was off the floor. And wow. he was only off the floor for four minutes.
2: Wow. That's <laughs> he crazy. only had
1: four minutes of rest. So, yeah, that that
2: was I um I mean, anybody who follows us on social media at Cheering Press, you can see I put up the the picture. I wagered on the nuggets in five, the nuggets in six, and the nuggets in seven. Um, because I I honestly thought the last two rounds. Hey, we're not
1: out of we're not out of it yet, baby. No, I know, but that's what I'm saying is mm-hmm. the last
2: two rounds, it's like, oh, well, they might get past, you know, who they uh, God, I already rec yeah, I was gonna say recency bias. Um <laughs> But everyone was like, oh, it's going to be you know a tough one against Utah, blah, blah, blah. And then they pulled it out. And then against the Clippers, nobody thought they could win. And like, then they took it to seven could. and one. And I still believe in this Nuggets team um, because, like you said, it wasn't some crazy blowout. It was, yeah, I mean, I was the, first the first game, first game was, game was pretty rough. But
1: The first game was 12, which was good. I didn't think they'd have a chance in the first game. When well, the
0: Nuggets are going home for game three and four, the altitude... I was oh, about to say, oh yeah. wait a we second. we get
1: back on the... Wait a second, huh? They're going to... Okay. They just no altitude the in the bubble. The floor. <laughs> Not um, in Florida.
2: We're below sea no, level, gonna, baby.
1: They're going <laughs> uh, uh, to simulate... They're going to pump in extra oxygen to simulate would That
2: would be awesome if
1: they thinned out the air in the bubble. <laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah. um, you think
2: you think they could bounce back, though, Joe, for sure? I think
1: they're going to bounce back. I, I give them... Look, I've this is bonus. This is bonus. Uh them making it to the Western Conference finals was where I wanted them to be this year. I didn't think they would make it to the finals. Um but if I would like them to steal a game or two, um just so they have that confidence going into next year in their back pocket. Yeah, for sure. Um So yeah, I I just don't want to get swept. Oh, that just that would be demoralizing.
2: I will remind everyone this is why we play the games. Because the, the Nuggets way, I will can come back.
1: I don't... I love Mike. I love Mike Malone. Why the fuck was PJ, BJ, whatever his name, Dozier in the game in the fourth quarter? He missed four free throws in a row. Put Porter in the game. But come on. Porter told you. Last <laughs> series.
2: What is he that told happening? you.
1: He was being aggressive it reminds and going me of Friday to the basket. And then he wasn't crashing anything in because he wasn't making his free throws. You want to win, put booby in.
0: Jesus. Well, how about that Eastern <laughs> Conference Finals? You guys is, as into the Eastern Conference Finals as you are the West. I'm into whatever fight broke I'm... out in the locker room. That's what I'm interested <laughs> in.
1: I I'm invested in this because I've every series except the first series, the last two series now I've picked against the Heat and my brothers have picked the Heat and it's just a constant reminder of hey look who won the game and I'm yeah. like Ugh, I can't look stupid again. Gordon now Hayward came back. I thought
2: two. I thought it would take him a while to uh, get going. Um, he actually Daniel. looked really good though.
1: He was two for seven though. I mean,
2: uh, as a almost as a decoy, though he looked good. Yeah. Like it's yeah. nice to have. He, he, it's just nice to have someone else in there, a competent NBA player. I that mean, looks even though. Like it's, what I'm sorry, huh?
1: Someone that looks like you. I'm not.
2: I am not six eight, sir. Uh, <laughs> but someone who can pass, someone who knows how to space the floor. You know what yeah. I You know what I'm trying to no, say.
1: he's 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 definitely a IQ guy on the court, and uh, we'll someone that looks like me. You like that? You like that? He had a lot of guys that look like you. Like a five guys that all look like yeah, you.
2: Yeah, I know, which is weird because that's normally a Boston thing because, you know, they don't know, right? let black people in that city. Um, Jeez, it's, so
1: weird. it's like the roles are reversed. So weird. <laughs> but um, I think the Celtics it have it. That, you got it on here. Will the four days, with the four days off, are the Celtics going to be able to keep up the same energy and momentum? I think they will because all that does is give Gordon Hayward more time to get better.
2: That's what I was thinking too. Cause mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's momentum is a fickle thing in sports because it's you take real, you, you know, you hear this all the time though. You know, you take too much time off.
1: Then yeah, all of a sudden rest, what can rest, happen? Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: So I just, but, I was interested to th- get your take. Cause I know, you know, basketball way more than I do. Um, So I yeah. wanted to.
1: And I mean, I look, I'll say it every time. Jimmy's not the best player on the team. He's the most important player on the team. But. At Joe Dorville. <laughs> but um, it, it is uh, being bared true. I would say BAM really exploded this yeah. last game, even in the loss. But uh, the two wins, Dwaran Dragic, you called the it. charge. I'm just saying. Ty, by the way, this was Tyler Hero's coming out party. Oh, for I was, sure. I think he had plus 20 for the first time this series. So, Looks great. And he almost had a triple double in the first game.
2: And to think if that coin flip went a different way, he'd be a Boston Celtic. All right. Well, this is my my time to shine, baby. Uh, All
0: right. Well, from the hard court, let's go to the ankle deep rough of the 2020 (laughs) U.S. Open with its surprise, Victor. What are your thoughts on that one there, Brennan?
1: I like his first name. Oh, Brennan.
0: No, go ahead,
2: Jeff. Take it oh, away. I'm sorry. I, was, yeah,
1: I, just, I really like his first name, Bryson. It's cool. I like it. I like the way it's spelled. It's really dope. Deshambo. It's a bit of a mouthful. Uh, He's but, American. Uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts, Brett, Brett.
2: That's your take. That's your take on the U.S. <laughs> Open. I
1: like his name. No, 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 no. I will say. I will say. Um, Greg, me and you. <laughs> uh, me and Brennan, when we did the Thursday pod, Greg's notes back to us afterwards because uh, the first round had finished. He was like, "What happened to all those uh, plus scores? And they kind of really took control of the of the course, and they corrected it all well, the next day." Like I said, they would yep. to privately. And Deshambo was the only person under par. I think it was uh, Matt, Wilson Why- who who was second place. He was the only person even. Other than that, everybody else had a plus score.
2: Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, by by, definitely Friday, it was getting rougher. And then definitely by Saturday, uh, the green slowed way down. Um, everyone was struggling. So I talked to my uncle, who um, people who listen to this podcast know my uncle works in the golf world, works around a lot of professional golfers and professional uh, coaches. So I called him up and uh, talked to him about this. So uh it was weird because uh, he was telling me that Bryson DeChambeau was uh, fifth or sixth in the driving distance for the for the entire tournament, but still ended up winning. Uh, Dustin Johnson, Rory, a few other guys had longer averages, um, but he's better out of the rough. He gained 40 pounds to get that club, uh, club head speed up in order to just knock the ball out of the rough like this. Um, I mean, he did it for uh, longer drives too. Faster clubhead speed means longer drives. But you had sent me, Greg, you had sent me that article, which was interesting where Rory was talking about, you know, he doesn't know if it's good for the game or bad for the game. And it seems kind of odd. And I didn't know what the context was when he was talking about uh Bryson winning. And apparently he was talking about him just kind of using his you know, drivers out of the rough and certain things like that, how he they call him the mad scientist. He's got a degree in engineering or physics or something like that from Stanford. He has all of his irons cut the same length, which is very bizarre. He tries to figure out weird things to do with physics when it comes to golf. So and he also complains a lot about calls and things like that to um, the officials which a lot of the players kind of resent him for that. But Tiger did the same thing. You know, Ben Hogan back in the thirties did the same thing. So um it's just a interesting way. He's not like your run-of-the-mill golfing champion. My guy Patrick Reed that I I, I picked <laughs> fell apart. Um when I asked my uncle kind of what happened there, he said his short game was on fire Thursday and Friday, and sometimes people just run out of luck. Um just a heads this up for any
1: Brennan Go ahead. Called his uncle segment.
2: <laughs> well, he's he's an insider. Okay, I'm know, gonna start saying. They, I'm gonna start no, saying. Sources said. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> my uncle's personal friends with Zach Johnson. He's a source. Ooh. Sources said that um, Zach Johnson said this was one of the hardest courses he's ever seen in his life, which is mm. um, interesting. Brooks Capcut, like we talked about on episode one, was out with that knee injury, uh, and I got more updates on uh, Jordan Spieth. I figured out what was wrong with him. So, we talked Before about get it to
1: that. I will say, uh, the person who was in second was Matthew Wolf, twenty one years old.
2: Oh, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, even. Oh, and I Bryson won something earlier, but I guess not.
2: Bryson also missed a bunch of fairways, but he just happened to get lucky and miss them in the right directions. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not crazy in the u s. Open Tiger at Pebble Beach won by twelve strokes. Rory a couple of years ago won by six strokes. In a US Open. So it's not a lot of people are saying, Oh, you know, he, like Roy was saying, it's kind of unconventional the way he won. And then he won by so many strokes. It's not unheard of though. Um, but Jordan Speth is your guy.
1: Joe and I know we talked I just I was just wondering what happened to him oh
2: man I looked into all this shit because I thought it was your guy
1: no 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 no. I was just trying to figure out what Uh, happened to the kid he was about my age forget it I had Dustin winning I had Dustin or uh was it Ricky Fowler yeah you had Dustin Ricky. Ricky Ricky really dropped the ball but Dustin was around there at the end
2: yeah and that was the thing was it was just um It was just, everyone was not getting in the fairways, and it's hard in that rough to get back on track. And Bryson just kind of got, you know, the better shots. Nice. Quick hits, Greg. Let's do it.
0: All right. These are just uh, (laughs) just a handful of questions. We'll just get your quick thoughts on them. Um, So, Major League Baseball announced that the expanded playoff that they implemented for this shortened season to Mm. uh to give more revenue for the teams apparently was the reasoning but uh they might extend that into 2021 and beyond how do you feel about expanding the baseball playoffs
1: um i'm not shocked because i mean every sport at this point has expanded their playoffs to a degree nfl did it last year for this year i'm still confused by that um but yeah, everything's a money grab, and uh, the more people you have, the more fan bases you have, and the more eyeballs you have.
2: Yep, that's exactly what I was gonna say. It's just about the money. Um, the regular season is starting to mean less and less, uh, but it's just Joe already said it. If hey, you have more don't, teams, don't
1: say that. Don't say that when the Marlins are gonna make the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> but when you
2: have more teams, more eyeballs, more fans get excited, and it's one of those. It's one of those weird things too, where. Um, Owners and coaches and GMs can all sell it on. Well, we've made the playoffs, you know, four out of the last five years, five out of the yeah. last six years. It's like, yeah, but and you, you got bounced in the, the first f- round. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, it's just a money grab. That's all I think. Yeah,
0: I agree with both of you on that one. So solid. Our friend Deion Sanders is going to oh be God. the new head coach at Jackson State. He's a really sweet guy. Yeah. You think he's going to be a good coach at the college level? And follow up. Do you think he has sights on big time Division One teams and or the NFL after this?
1: Um, I'd have to look it up. I don't know why I did it, but uh, I thought he didn't have like a good, tra- a great track record in high school coaching his son. I may be wrong. Is that right, Greg? Yeah. So I do know. It's a it's a name. It's cachet. I think he'll be a great motivator. I don't know who great his players don't make great coaches. Be. Yeah, I was about to say like Magic Johnson wasn't great because you expect everybody to just to be able to do what you can do. Yep. what you were doing. So yep. yeah, I I can see this ending badly.
2: <laughs> yeah, for the most part, great players don't make great coaches because they don't they don't understand how to articulate to the team how to do something. They just expect you to know how to do something. Larry Bird was an exception. He was a very good coach, but
1: yeah. They, mediocrity like befuddles those type of guys. Yeah.
2: They're just like, why can't you just do it the right way? Which I understand, yeah. you know, in my line of work, I'm very good at it. <laughs> so when I have to train people, I'm like, why can't you just do it right now? I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I've met Deion Sanders before. He's a really nice guy. Um, always wears that fedora though. Always even inside <laughs> in the dark, he still wears it. But, uh, really nice guy. I just don't think, I think he's going to just expect guys to exactly what we're talking about, just to be good and not really know how to coach him up on certain things. I don't think he has a sight set on anything bigger. Um, yeah. I think I just, th- I don't think, cause if he doesn't do well, you know, if prime time. I mean, he's a fan, Hall of Fame, obviously, for ba- first ballot, unanimous Hall of Fame player. And if he coaches on a big stage and then doesn't do well, I don't think that's something that he wants on his resume.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think he has the... Um, because a lot of that top tier D1 especially is a lot of time recruiting. I don't know if he really wants to spend all his time recruiting.
2: Yeah, it's a lot of time recruiting and it's a lot of... And it's a lot of, like, especially now, it's a lot more analytics. It's a lot more breaking down film. Yeah. I mean, it's not as crazy as the NFL. Like, I know there's a big joke that Nick Saban is never going to leave Alabama because he likes working a 40-hour work week. But, <laughs> it, but it's still, I mean, it's still a lot, especially to recruit. And if you go to yeah. a D1 school that's not, you know – that can't like filter in its own recruits. And even some of those schools lose recruits. There's other big school, you know what I mean? There's other big name colleges. Yeah. So I think you'd have to spend too much. Time. I think he'd be an awesome recruiter though. If prime time came to your yeah. house. No, he'll be a great
1: recruiter. I just don't he think you'd want would, to be doing that. I would like to see him in the position. Um, Ed Reed is in right now for that Miami. Is the CEO Plays of the football operations. Of yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's the chief of staff. Chief of
2: staff. That's what it is.
1: Because if Ed Reed comes into you, like you need to close on a big recruit. You don't have to go to everyone, but just for like the big ones, Ed Reed walks in your house. It's like, all right, yeah, I'm going. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. (laughs) Sign me up. Yeah, that that would be awesome. Even though I'm not watching, shout out to my Miami Hurricanes on a big one this weekend. And I'll also take this moment to can't laugh at because that's not right to do. But Mike Norvell, the coach of Florida State has coronavirus.
0: Their next opponent.
1: Our next opponent. He can't even coach the game.
0: (laughs) Can't even keep his players... (laughs) Nope. So uh, during yesterday's Chief Chargers game from the magnificent SoFi Stadium, Tony Romo in the booth joked that he could feel the excitement and tension building in the crowd. And then Jim (laughs) Nance laughed because obviously there's no fans in the stadium. And, uh, you know, the Chiefs came back, tied it up with a long field goal and won it with a field goal in overtime. Do you think not having the fans there to scream – and be loud to affect the Chiefs as the visiting team. Do you think uh, home teams have any kind of advantage anymore? No.
1: Um, I think their only advantage is they don't have to hop on a plane. They just get to sleep in their own beds. But, yeah, no, every game is basically a neutral site practice.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a scrimmage. It's a, they're all televised, yeah. televised scrimmages. I mean, even with the piping in the sound noise, the crowd noise in the stadium, it's still not – there's a huge difference between like uh, music coming Singing out of the speakers people. and not being able to hear the quarterback when you're right next to him in a huddle. Like there's a tremendous no. difference in the feel. Plus it's not as exciting. Like that's the whole thing is playing in yeah. front of those people. Like everyone's screaming and chanting and trying to get the crowd pumped up and the roar of the stadium. When you make a great play, some nerd hitting it on a keyboard up in a, <laughs> you know, up in an office somewhere, is not going to have the same effect.
1: I love that you've instantly made him a nerd. But uh, I'm wearing I say, a
2: Hulk shirt. I can say that.
1: <laughs> I will say, um, for the people that don't like the piped-in noise on the TV experience, I was watching a bit of that uh, Jax Titans game. Yeah, you were. They, they had uh, taken out. They were like, for two plays, we'll remove the audio and let you just hear the natural sounds. And that thing felt made me feel awkward. Yeah, I was like, that was even more awkward. <laughs>
2: I don't like that at all. It's it yeah. sounds too it much like antiseptic. practice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very good word usage. Yeah, it sounded yeah. it sounded just bad. So I I don't think there's any kind of home field advantage other than the flight situation. But even then, I mean and there's not that yeah. big I mean, of an it's, advantage. It's not like,
1: it's not like they're riding in coach.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. the advantage comes from not being able to hear the, the count, the snap count, or not being able to hear your quarterback or when they're doing that thing with their hands over their ear holes because they can't hear the the speaker in their helmet. It's so
0: loud.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cool. Well, let's do one quick one. The uh, Tampa Bay Lightning tied up the Stanley Cup Finals tonight. One game hey, apiece with, with a 3-2 win. So just quickly, who's going to come out on top? the NHL Stanley Cup Finals.
2: So I am uh, not the biggest NHL fan, as you guys know, but I do have a, a, a soft spot in my heart for the Tampa Bay Lightning. A couple years ago, my roommate was a huge Lightning fan, made me watch every single game of the season. Uh, so I kind of fell in love with Kucherov, and at the time it was uh, Ben Bishop and Steven Stamko. So I've got a soft spot for the Lightning. I was happy to see him make it to the Finals, especially after what happened last year. Having well, that was last year, right? Having the best record and getting swept yeah. in the first round, so it was nice to see him make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. I was nervous when they went down in the the game one, but they came back. Was three one was the final this game? So
0: three two. I five, hope.
2: Yes. Okay, I hope th- I hope they can pull it out, man. Especially for my boy Tyler Ritter out there in the Tampa area. What up? Shouts out.
1: Wow, now I feel obliged to shout out my boy, Torrey Thompson, uh, big Lightning fan. Uh, yeah, I'm rooting for Lightning as well. As a Florida boy, I like uh, success, success when it comes from the home <laughs> uh, state. Freudian slips. So, uh, <laughs> I like success when it comes from my home state and uh, give some feel good to people I love. So, yeah, let's go Lightning.
2: Go Lightning, yeah. we're the Thunder.
0: Yeah, I uh, Dallas somehow has made it this far. They're pesky. I thought they were doing smoke and mirrors, but somehow <laughs> they're the it done.
2: I went and saw it was against Dallas, I was like, what the hell?
1: Yeah, it's making all the uh, traditionalists pull their hair out of their head like, we want the original six in every Stanley Cup. It's nah. very annoying.
0: Get off my lawn! <laughs> All right. Well, it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show, what we like to call the walk off. Joe and Brennan will give you a little short, little. I don't even know. I don't. We didn't want to call it an essay, but uh, <laughs> no, they're going to the give, give us their thoughts as Breakdown we exit. Topic. Yeah, I'm going to
1: give you the floor first this so time, Brennan. Uh, okay,
2: cool. So mine is um, kind of a. I wrote it kind of half as a a uh, funny thing but it's also something that i've noticed it's the top five sports stereotypes so last week i almost cried on the program uh kind of spilled my guts yeah, you out you did. so <laughs> now Doing you're taking hard my passion baby yeah but um so this time i wanted to uh i wanted to go with something a little funnier a little a little lighter Um, So it's the top five sports stereotypes and where are they now? So the first uh, number five, I've got injury prone, the player that from a young age has a habit of getting hurt, uh, can get hurt playing chess. But for one reason or another, teams always take a risk on them. Either they have an exceptional size, speed or one of those two breakout games in between injuries. And uh, this person made a career out of his potential that they had, but never lived up to. And where are they now? Currently collecting workers' comp for injuring themselves on the job. <laughs> I'm so funny. Uh, <laughs> next one I have is the hype man. Again, these are the top five sports stereotypes. The hype man—they're the player that not only made that only made the team because they have a single exceptional skill, but nothing more. Like the white guy on an NBA team that can shoot threes. Uh, Doncic the- Robinson. <laughs> Duncan Robinson, um the kicker, any special teams player on a football team, um, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. They're called the hype man because what they um lack in playing time, they make up for by screaming and yelling on the sideline, wearing all the gear constantly. Uh, doing something that I do quite often, which is uh, like when you start to even talk about football, they always bring up that they play or they do play or they (laughs) have played. Um, it's a hype, man. Like they're like, I'm live and die for FAU, even though most people don't even know. They always get it confused with FIU. Um, yeah, so they're. Uh, where are they now? Currently have a pretty good job at a pretty good company. But to anyone who asks, they have the logo on their hat, logo on their shirt, the company logo on their car. It's the greatest company they've ever worked for in their entire life. And that's just what they're going to keep doing. Always going to be a hype man. Now, this is the three is the resentful, angry guy. This is the most common, especially in areas where sports are important, like the South and the Midwest. This is the guy that only beaten, um, that because of a lack of talent or available players, they were thrust into a star role, but they had no business being in. A quarterback that had a decent arm, so he got the start as a kid in high school or the other kid who could dunk but didn't really have any other talents when it came to basketball. Um, they're stars in high school. Um, but they normally don't get to go play in college, or if they go play in college, they always end up riding the bench. Um, when they, when they've come around real talent, uh, they always move back home. I know a couple of these guys. I'm sure you guys have met a few of these guys. They always move back home and then they're always just pissed off all the time because they could have been pro. They could have been the number one pick, but they just never lived up to their expectation. Uh, where are they now? Probably sitting on a bar stool. In their hometown, talking about the good old days of high school, better believe they went back to their hometown after they dropped out of college. Oh, number two, the gym rat. This could go in two different directions. This is a person that is overly competitive, um, but is also willing to put in the work. They're not blessed with an overabundance of skill or talent, but make up for with constantly reading the playbook, working out and trying to uh, reach their full potential reason this is a stereotype is because it can backfire. This is a person that clearly has addiction issues and obsessive traits. All right. So this one might actually get a little emotional. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> they use them to their benefit. This is the person I was when I played. Um, I, I have a, obviously I'm sober now, but I have a very addictive personality. So it's the person who's always at the gym, always working out, always watching film um, invest all their time into playing. Um, And a lot of times you'll hear announcers say, oh, that guy's a gym rat. Well, that's what they mean. They're just, they're white and they're always working. Uh, (laughs) Where are they now? One of two places. Either they use their addictive personalities for good or, and worked hard and finished college, or they went to rehab a bunch of times like me and ended up in jail. And then the last one is naturally gifted. This is the start. Um, They start on every team they've ever played on. The, did you say the black guy? I did. Dude, when I played at FAU, that's the only time I'll say it. But when I did, we used to, I was in the gym every day. And then we used to have guys walking with bags at McDonald's. And I was like, I fucking hate you guys. <laughs> um, they start on every team that they're ever on. Whether they care or they don't. And they never practice. Practice? You're talking about Practice? Um, always good. Uh, you had them in high school. They played offense, defense, special teams. Doesn't matter. They're just so good at what they're doing. Um, no one else on the team can even figure out why they're so good because they don't do any of the work. They're just naturally gifted. And then where are they now? Probably still playing a professional or sleeping with your supermodel or your wife. Everything they do, they're exceptional at. <laughs> Whether it's. Whether it's signing million dollar Signing bonuses or investing In yachts and real Estate so that was from a few Years ago I thought it was interesting
1: Um, That's a comprehensive Breakdown right there buddy
2: my top five stereotypes Of athletes and If you are an athlete out there listening you Can figure out which one you are Uh, like I said I'm the gym rat because I'm the addict Joe's The naturally gifted one you know
1: Of course even though I didn't play college athletics Uh, No I know but you're the black one I know, that was the joke. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I'll do mine now. I facetiously just titled it Fly, so I wouldn't give tip you guys anyway, but it's really Fly, Eagles, Fly. Oh, you son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Yeah, so... Yeah, I address it, so I'm not even going to bring this up up top. Okay, as my Eagles start out 0-2, and as I I defend them on most days, people often wonder, how does a boy from Broward County, Florida, become a Philly fan, a place he hadn't even been to at that point? I have been there now. Um, Most people inherit, I've deduced that most people inherit their favorite team from their parents, mainly for a boy, it's his father. My parents immigrated to this country and had no allegiance to any particular team. My mom would hope the uh, hope the huh? my mom would hope the local team, the heat or the dolphins would win often, but wonder why we didn't root for them, but she didn't instill rooting for the home team in us because she was constantly working or going to church on a Sunday. so it was up to us. My three older brothers came to this country uh, at young ages and they had to pick their own teams. One is a Cowboys fan, one is a Patriots fan, and one is a Raiders fan. So when it be- I became of age to root for a team actively on my own, one thing stood out to me unbeknownst to me, representation. At around six or seven, I had, I had already identified that the quarterback is the leader of the team, so I wanted to be a quarterback. I would spend days going outside, throwing the ball with my brothers and our friends, um, but when it came to watching games, we didn't have cable. Uh, we only had local TV. And so in 2001, 2002, it was rare to see, say, a Vikings game. So I wouldn't see Dante Culpepper. Uh, I like Steve McNair because of his uh, Super Bowl performance, but they weren't on the TV as much. So I was seeing a lot of uh, Jay Feely for the Dolphins back then, <laughs> which uh, was not inspiring, to say the least. Um, So the Cowboys, being America's team, would be on TV in the four o'clock window often And they played the Eagles twice a year. And then I saw number five, Donovan McNabb. Bit of a portly guy, but he was able to scramble out of the pocket, throw deep passes. And the kid in me, if I'm being honest, was also a bit of a portly kid. And if I'm really being honest, bit of a portly adult too. Um, (laughs) But he was electric on the field. And this was the onset of their four years of going to the NFC Championship. So that became... So those years of exposure became what I identified with. I remembered vividly the fourth and 26 play McNabb to Mitchell against the Packers. Uh, I remember the Super Bowl loss to the Pats and trust me, I weren't, wasn't able to live it down because one of my brothers was a Patriots fan. Um, it was the first time I experienced actual genuine heartbreak from watching my sports team. It was debilitating at, as I don't even remember how old I was, but yeah. Um, but I've stayed with them through the good times and the bad, the bad being the Chip Kelly years, um, through Corey Buckholder, Deuce Daly, Brian Westbrook, Freddie Mitchell, Todd Pinkskin, uh, Lito Shepard, Sheldon Brown, Brian Dawkins. All these guys became ingrained in my fabric of who I am, and that is why I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Good stuff, then man. We won, then we won the Super Bowl, baby. Baby. Yeah. baby.
2: That was good. You just put fly on there, and I was like, what is he talking about? <laughs> and then I felt kind of shitty because my essay, like I said, last, my walk-off last week was so heartfelt and inspirational, uh, and then I pulled this one out of an old joke book. So next week, I'm going to bring the noise next week. I'm going I'm to bring All the right. tears. I'm going to make everybody cry. No, man. I thought it was going to be about Who's fly fishing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's one of the up-and-coming sports. Uh,
2: <laughs> Listen, guys, I really enjoy this sport of fly fishing.
1: <laughs> That's far as our favorite sport. Of course oh. it is.
0: Ow! All right, let's get out of here, boys. What are we doing? Where are we plugging? Where are we going? Well, let's go ahead. All right. Well, I'll plug the shows, and you guys can plug your personal stuff when I am done. That sounds good. Sounds good yes sir so you can download this and all episodes of cheers from the press box at our website co, where you can also download uh, the podcast A New Low that Joe and I co-host with three other gentlemen and um, Joe's Hamilton podcast is also on that page it's called Who Does sure. a Podcast he does with our friend Kyle and you can follow us on the social medias at Cheering Press Instagram Twitter and Facebook and uh, pretty soon we hope to be streaming live on Twitch. That's going to be twitch.tv slash a new low pod. Also YouTube will probably have some clips on there, videos highlights of this show on YouTube slash a new low pod Joe
1: You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joe Dorville um, Also check out my hip hop album TV uh, under the moniker headphone Joe no O no E Brennan
2: uh, Brennan T. Comedy on all social media com. Uh, Brennan T. Comedy on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, whatever it is Check out my other podcast if you want to hear me rambling about the old drinking days or talking with some of my comedy buddies It's Brennan Tassif is your ex-drinking buddy um, And like I said uh, check out my website for my upcoming dates. Comedy is back especially in Florida Hey guys You play to win, win the game Hello?